0: Pray together and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your great love for us tonight. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Word. Thank you, Father God, that your Word is anointed. And Father, you have anointed us to speak it, you've anointed us to hear it and receive it. And Father, I thank you tonight that, that what we hear and what we receive is not going to just go in one ear and out the other father it's not just going to be uh, some interesting thing that we listen to for a little while but father it's going to be truth that will literally transform our lives father help us to see things in a way we've never seen them before help us to see them more clearly eyes to see ears to hear hearts to understand eyes to see ears um, ears to hear and hearts to understand And we ask you and believe that we receive that father tonight from you Lord, so that your purposes might prosper in our lives, Father, so that the very reasons for which we were created may be fulfilled. Father, that we might know you, that we, might, that we might, might know your truth, that we might understand and see things, Father, the way you see them, the way that you'd have us see them. So, Lord, open our eyes tonight, open our ears, open our hearts, and we pray and believe that we receive that from you in Jesus' name. Now, amen. amen and amen. Praise God. All right, so let me put the, uh, the title slide back up here. All right, so this is class number 25. Um, And uh, if you'll notice some of the subtitles down at the bottom, we're still in uh, the section What is Man? And this is actually our 12th class, 12 classes so far on What is Man? And we are in the part where, you know, it says we're created in the image and likeness of God. And we've looked at several uh, characteristics uh, of what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God. And um, tonight we're going to move on from emotions, we may review that for a moment, but last week we talked about um, our, our being created in the image and likeness of God, which means we have the ability to experience and express emotions, because God can experience and express emotions, and so He's created you and me with that same ability, with that same capacity. And then we're going to look at our fifth characteristic tonight um, as well, and, and that is Uh, Our ability to speak Um, because we're created in the image and likeness of God. We have the ability to speak. I'm speaking to you right now, and I can speak to you, and you can speak to me because we were created in the image and likeness of of God, and um, and He is a God who uh, also speaks. Now, we emphasize that image and likeness uh, means more than uh, we just look like Him, that we have the same body design as Him. Uh, you know, two hands, four fingers, and a thumb on both. Um, God has a right hand and a left hand. And we were talking about this on Sunday morning. If you read in, in the Bible, I mean, some of the creatures that God's created, I'm not just talking about physical creatures. I mean, think of just the insect world and how fascinating and, and diverse. Uh, you know, there's a thing doesn't have to have four legs. Amen. <laughs> and God's proven that. And, and we hear about beings in heaven you know, that have multiple sets of wings and, and, and things of this nature. And so God is a, is a very creative God. But when it came to creating you and me, He created us uh, to look like He looks, but it's deeper than that. He created us to function the way He functions, to operate, if you will, the way He operates. Because, again, He created us for many reasons, but one of the primary reasons is so that He could have fellowship with us, so that we could know and experience His love and return uh, love, uh, our love, uh, back to him. So, let's do uh, some quick reviews and you know, sets and subsets of things. Um, but we've been answering this question, what is man? We said man is a God-class being. We said man is a spirit being. We said man is, a, uh, is the legal authority on, uh, on the earth. And then number four, we said uh, man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Now. Uh, Because we are created in the image and likeness of God, we have the ability to do some uh, very uh, specific things. Number one, uh, think, reason, and form opinions. Number two, we have the ability to agree. Number three, the ability to believe. Number four, the ability to experience and express emotions. And then the one we're going to dig into tonight is the ability to speak. Now, I'm gonna leave those on the screen uh, for a moment because one of the things that we uh, pointed out when we uh, um, began this section of our study is that these things uh, are important to understand, you know, by themselves, but we said that they were dynamic and and uh, interactive. Uh, in other words, these things, um, they, they work together with uh, one another. They're, they're, in other words, notice um, emotions and thoughts and things that we focus on and think about. All, all of these things are related, and, and so they compound uh, upon one another. And, 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 and ultimately, I think uh, it, it culminates in, in this fifth one that we're going to look at tonight, and that is our ability to speak. So, for instance, uh, think for a moment, and, I, and you know, we've all done this, and thank God for His mercy and, and grace and forgiveness, but think about how many times we have in a moment of anger, in, in, a, in a moment of strong emotion, we've said things, we've released that I- I- emotion through words and, and have said things that, um, that really we should have never said, uh, maybe even have said hurtful things, painful things, uh, to other people because, again, in, in that moment where uh, I- emotion was so strong, um, we released that emotion uh, in the form of words. Now, let's just quickly go over a, f- a couple of things that we talked about uh, concerning our emotions and we'll use it kind of like a running start uh, as we tie in uh, this uh, fifth characteristic tonight. And one of the things I just want to remind you of is that the, the enemy wants you and me to believe that we're at the mercy of our emotions and that there's nothing we can do to control or manage them. And, and he is a liar. He also wants to tell you that, that you are unique and, and that uh, you're experiencing emotions and, and situations uh, that other people don't understand or that other people have never experienced before. Again, he's a liar. The Bible clearly says uh, that the things that we experience, the things that we go through are common to things that other people have experienced and went through, and even better than that, that Jesus also experienced and went through those things and therefore knows how to minister to you, to love you through those things and and, and help you through them. So we also said that the good news is all emotions are thought-driven. Anger and anxiety are driven by our thoughts and so are peace and joy. And then we also, uh, praise God, and this is kind of where we we're winding down uh, on last week we said thoughts fuel the emotions that influence our actions thoughts fuel the emotions that influence our actions one more time thoughts fuel the emotions that influence our actions so what does this mean It, it it means that um as we think our emotions are generated and then those emotions uh, like we said in, in the beginning, uh, can cause us to react in ways. I, I just said how many of you have, have been angry before and said things that you wish you hadn't have said. I certainly have. But it, it goes more than, than that. How many of you um, have, in a, in, in a moment of anger, uh, said, uh, you know, not just said things, but have also done other things uh, that, um, you know, through a fit uh, that, um, that, you know, you obviously uh, should not have thrown. So thoughts fuel the emotions uh, that influence our actions. Let me just remind you that the devil cannot make you do anything, uh, but he does try to entice us. And, and one of the ways he tries to uh, y- entice us I- into actions, wrong actions, uh, sinful actions, th- things that, you know, conduct, unbecoming uh, a born-again man or woman is, you know, if, if he can influence your thinking Uh, Then he can influence your emotions and he knows the more that he influences your emotions the better chance he has at Influencing a wrong uh, action on your part, so let me um Let me give you uh, a few verses both of these are from from the book of uh, of Psalms the first one I want you to uh, look at tonight is Psalm uh, 119 verse 11 psalm uh, 119 uh, 11 it says your word i have hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you your word speaking to god he's saying father your word i've hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you so what is the psalmist saying here what 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 is he what is david saying here he's saying that he has deliberately and intentionally hidden the word of god in his heart now um, I want you to think about, you know, uh, the idea of of hiding the word of God in your heart. This this is talking about a deliberate and intentional action on your part and on my part. Um, l- let me let me see if I can rephrase. Uh, the word of God does not accidentally get hidden in your heart. Um, the, the word of God does not you, know, you don't just wake up one day and the word of God has become hidden in your heart without any effort. Um, on your part so if the word of God is is going to be hidden in your heart it's it's going to require some focus it's going to require some time it's going to require some intentional and deliberate effort for that word to be hidden there and remember remember that the Bible says Jesus taught us that Satan comes immediately to try to steal the word from your heart because the devil doesn't want the word of God in your heart Um, let's, let's think of it this way the less word that you have in your heart. The easier it is for the devil to entice you into sinning against God. The more word you have hidden in your heart, the more difficult it is for the enemy uh, to entice you into, into sinning against God. Now, just I'm, I'm still I, we're looking at new things, but we're also reviewing s- some things from last week because I'm wanting to weave uh, last night and, and tonight uh, together, especially as, as we begin. I, I don't want you to think of these things um, as separate standalone, uh, lessons that, that, that have nothing to do with one another. Uh, what we're talking about now uh, has everything to do, uh, you know, what we talked about last week and what we'll talk about tonight, they have everything to do uh, with, with one another. It's Think of it as a, as a continuation um, of the things that we've been layering and building and, and, and developing our understanding uh, according to. And so one of the things that we said last week we we pointed out the different places in the bible not every place but, but a couple of different places in the bible where jesus clearly said i've spoken these things to you so that my joy can be in you i've spoken these things to you so that my peace can be yours and that your joy can be full and overflowing so he's saying that his words have the power to produce his emotions in our lives why is that because his words contain the thinking the thoughts of god jesus's thoughts will produce jesus's emotions in you so his words his thoughts then are communicated to us um, through his word so we hide his word in our heart because that becomes the raw materials you know for us to think about and meditate upon this means if the word of god is going to be hidden in your heart it begins with reading um, and certainly includes memorizing but reading and memorizing the, the word of god are only part of it from there reading and memorizing makes it much easier or we could say it facilitates what i believe is the ultimate key to hiding the word of god in your heart and that is meditating on the word of god where you mutter it to yourself where, where you know just i'm gonna put this verse back up on the screen where, where you take this word uh, you know, this passage and, and you begin to think about, you know, why is this? What does it mean? How can I hide the Word in my heart? Um, what does hiding the Word of God in my heart have to do with sinning or not sinning against God? So you begin to, to meditate on these things. You begin to, to, to process these things uh, in, in your mind. Ponder them. The Bible says that Mary pondered the things God said to her uh, in her heart. She kept them in her heart. She, they, they, weren't, they were never far from you know, the surface of, of, of her thinking. And so meditating on the Word of God is, is a key part of hiding the Word of God in your heart. So again, as you meditate, as you think, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. So one of, the, one of the main ways you can keep your mind on God is to keep your mind on the things God has said to you. And so this is a, a skill to be developed. This, this is a, a and I don't want to trivialize it as, 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 as a habit, but... But literally, it's, it's a habit that you can develop uh, in your life, certain times of the morning, certain times throughout the day uh, where you just take a break to, to refocus, recenter yourself on, on, on God, on something that, that God is saying to you, some, some word, some verse, some passage, some phrase out of a passage, um, and, and, and allow th- those thoughts to, to generate the right kind of uh, emotions, an emotional refresher, if you will, um, and then those emotions will will influence the kind of actions and behavior uh, that father expects from us that that um, it, that we're all capable of, but sometimes uh, seem to stray uh, at least in, in part uh, away from. So, but also remember, and I keep going back to it over and over again, Hebrews four and twelve. Um, I'm not going to go back through my notes and put it on the screen, but the word of God is living and powerful. So. And in you know, residing within every word God has spoken is power to produce the result of the thing that he, he spoke it to accomplish. And so when we hide the Word of God in our hearts, it becomes a conduit through which the power of God flows into our lives. And, and this is why He's saying, Your word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We all need that extra oomph, if you will. We, we all need that, that extra wherewithal from inside of us um, to continue to live and behave and do um, what God has, has called us to do. And so the Word of God, you know, nourishing and, and feeding us inwardly will, will make us uh, spiritually, uh, you know, strong and, and spiritually energetic as opposed to spiritually apathetic. Um, in my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, we talk about the, the inward hunger of the heart compared to the outward hunger of, of the physical body, of the flesh. And, and our inward man has to be fed in order to be strong. Our inward man has to be nourished in uh, and, and, and the same way that our outward man. If, if you go three or four days without uh, feeding your body, uh, you're going to get very weakened. You're going to fall into a weakened condition. If, if you go weeks at a time without properly nur- nourishing your physical body, um, you're going to be susceptible to all kinds of, of, of illness. And, and in other words, your body's going to begin to break down. So in the same way, your inward man has to be fed. And and, and if we go long periods of time uh, without feeding our inward man, we become weakened spiritually, which makes us... um, um, more susceptible to, to temptation, it makes us more susceptible to the, to the lies of the enemy, it makes us more susceptible to sleeping in on Sunday when we should be getting ourselves out of bed and going to church and worshiping God like He instructed us to do. And we, just, we could go on and on. It it makes anything that has to do with living for God seem harder and difficult if our inward man is, is not properly nourished. In, you know, in the same way that, that if you get malnourished physically, it's gonna make anything that you have to do physically Uh, you know harder and more challenging to do so let the the Word of God I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you now I want to give you another verse and this one is is back towards the front of the book of Psalms and it's psalm number 19 and verse 14 psalm number 19 and verse 14 and here it says uh, again in prayer form let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord my strength and my redeemer. I'll leave the verse on the screen for a minute or two. Again, he's saying, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, one of the things that, again, if you meditate this verse, you begin to think about what he's saying here. One of the the first things that stands out to me is that um, david has recognized that what he thinks about and what he says um, have a lot to do uh, with the quality of life that he experiences and enjoys and so recognizing the importance of what we think about recognizing the importance of what we say is 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 hugely important but it's very easy for us to lose our awareness of that importance it's it's very easy for us to um, get caught up in, in the moment, uh, the, the hustle and bustle of our, of our day, uh, maybe you know, some situation that we're having to deal with. And, and if we're not careful, um, our minds will drift far from the Word of God, far from God and the things of God. And, and then the next thing you know, um, what's coming out of our, our mouths uh, is anything but uh, something positive, something full of faith, something uh, you know, that w- will contribute to A solution, but just the opposite uh, will only compound and and make the problem worse. Now, I believe we'll get there tonight, uh, but if not, I want to go ahead now, and and then we'll do it again when we get there. But in in Matthew the twelfth chapter, Jesus gave us the New Testament version of this passage when he said, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak." In other words. What you've hidden in your heart is going to come out of your mouth in uh, the form of words, uh, and and so this is why what's in your heart is you know what you think about it influences your emotions, and and then the, the emotions uh, I- influence our actions and you know the choices um, that that we make. Now, why why is you know all of this you know important? Let's go back to this slide here. Um, one more time, thoughts fuel the emotions that influence our actions. Thoughts fuel the emotions that influence our actions. Now, you, you may realize this, you may not, um, but uh, more times uh, than not, uh, our first uh, action is going to be speaking. Uh, I, you know, the first thing that, that, that we do as far as uh, the form of, of what's you know, inside of us coming out of us. Let's go back to what we said about emotions. We, we didn't just say that we have, that we have emotions. Um, to clarify, we emphasized that because we're created in the image and likeness of God, we have the ability to experience emotions and express them. Experience and express. And so let's say somebody gets really angry, and I know we keep going to that. Um, we could talk about it on anxiety as well, uh, but let's just say somebody really gets angry, angry enough to where they're going to, like, physically assault another person. Um, you know, 99 times out of 100, before that physical assault uh, occurs, there's going to be verbal assault. In other words, it's gonna begin, the actions are going to begin with words, uh, and then may even escalate further from there uh, in, in, into um, you know, some kind of physical altercation. But again, the point I'm trying to make in all of this is that thoughts fuel the emotions that influence our actions, and, and more times than not, our first action, the first uh, evidence of what's on the inside of us coming out of us are the words that come out of our mouths. Now. <clears throat> on the surface, this may not seem like that big of a deal, um, but you would err, uh, you would be in error not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, as Jesus used on, on occasion, that, 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 that particular statement. In, in other words, um, your words and the words that come out of your mouth uh, have tremendous power, they, they are of tremendous importance. And, and the enemy of your soul knows this, and, uh, and he's hoping that you never understand it. He's hoping that He can continue to manipulate your thoughts, to influence your emotions, and ultimately uh, get you uh, to say things out of your mouth uh, that you uh, should never say. Uh, Because uh, just like God, uh, whose words carry weight and have power, uh, your words also uh, carry weight and have power. And as we've said about each of these five characteristics, um, they can either be your best friend or they can be your worst enemy. Uh, your ability to consp- to speak can can work positively and wonderfully, uh, you know, benefits in your life, or it it can uh, uh, you know cause a a downward spiral uh, and, and cycle of of negativity uh, to, to continue in your life. Amen. I made a statement in class this morning that. Um, The devil is not the biggest threat to your success. Uh, The biggest threat to your success is is your own flesh. It's you. It's 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 your outward man. It's your body, and and this, of course, uh, the the devil knows this, and and this is why he works, uh, you know, so much, uh, places so much of his uh, efforts towards, uh, you know, getting us first of all keeping us ignorant to the power of our words, uh, but then also. Uh, you know, somehow, you know, manipulate our thoughts, uh, fuel emotions, and, uh, and then, you know, mindlessly say things that we should never say. So when, when David says, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, um, he's, he's recognizing that if he's ever going to get control uh, of his outward man, or we could even say self-control, that he's first going to have Uh, to master his thoughts and the words that come out of his mouth. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in you in abundance is going to come out of you in the heat of the moment. When the pressure's on, what's in you in abundance is going to come out of you. I've heard it said this way, if you squeeze a ketchup bottle, ketchup comes out because ketchup is in it. So what comes out of you when you're squeezed? What comes out of you when things don't go your way? What comes out of you? When you're, you know, facing pressure, facing a deadline, you know, somebody says something to you, cuts you off in traffic, you know, what have you. In other words, what's in you in abundance is going to come out of you uh, in the form of words. Now, thank you, Jesus. Let me cover a few things in my notes. First of all, words then could be understood as a product of our thinking, our beliefs, our emotions. Our agreements, and and I believe even all the force represented in in those first four characteristics that we looked at, um, you know, are released in, and and you know compounded exponentially in um, in their uh, force, if you will, uh, in that number number five characteristic, uh, you having the ability um, to speak, so. Think of it this way, the words that you speak have the greatest potential to affect your life for either good or bad, okay? And um, so when we talk about making progress in our lives and things that we can focus on that will help us make the most progress uh, in the fastest amount of time, okay? You, you ever heard the expression, expression, bang for the buck, okay? If you're looking for uh, bang for the buck when it comes to life transformation, okay, focus on the things you think about and the things that you say. Become aware uh, of what you're thinking. Uh, think about what you're thinking about. And then pay close attention to what you're saying. Become aware of the words that are coming out of your mouth. Become aware of patterns of, of things that come out of your mouth. Um, Satan, again, has tried our entire lifetimes to develop patterns of thinking, patterns of response, uh, patterns of action, uh, patterns uh, of you know, things that, that we say, um, because he's wanting to, to not only reinforce those things, but he's trying to uh, take control uh, of, the, of the rudder uh, of your life. He's trying to take control of the steering wheel or the reins um, of uh, your life by influencing the words that come out of your mouth. So James taught us that lesson and, uh, and, and we'll get there in time, but let's lay some uh, proper fa- foundation groundwork first, all right? So let's go uh, to Proverbs 18. I'm going to get a sip of water here. Proverbs 18, turn there with me, please. Proverbs um, 18, and we'll begin at verse number 20. So Proverbs 18 and verse 20. It says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Wow. Now, Think about what he's saying here. He's saying that a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. So, certainly in their day, and and, and it's just changed, but it's the same is true in our day. Um, you know, having food uh, to eat and to sustain our our physical existence um, is is a you know primary drive, so to speak. You know, in in all of nature, and so he's talking here about you know, our most, you know, basic fundamental needs, okay? Uh, He could have, you know, oxygen, I guess, being first, water being second, food being uh, third, as far as the primary things that we need to sustain physical existence. But notice that he's saying that ultimately, our stomachs are are filled and and we're satisfied um, based upon what we say. I know, man, this is like, if this wasn't the Bible, I'd be going, man, this sounds like, you know, some kind of far out mumbo jumbo here. Um, And I'm not trying to just come right out of the gates, you you know, with something that's confusing. Um, But I am just trying to at least pique your interest in, in just how important our words are to our very existence. Just how much our words have to do With every aspect of our lives, including the most basic and and fundamental needs of our lives being met. And notice he says, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Now, oh, praise God. I know that that's a hard connection to make. And and one of the things that I just asked the Lord, you know, to help me, uh, do when I have opportunity to teach you or, or, or anybody that, that would bestow upon me the honor of speaking into their lives is to help them, you know, connect with verses in a way that they can not only relate to, but that they can live out and, and, and walk out, you know, in, the, in their lives. And, and so when it comes to this, this one is, is so far removed from what we think um, actually satisfies our stomach so far removed from what we actually think um, produces the return in our lives uh, that enables us to sit down and have a meal, that it, it's, it's, it's almost impossible and challenging for us to make this connection. But again, thankfully, th- the Word of God is making this connection for us. Just because we don't see it that way doesn't mean that's not how it is. Th- this, uh, this is how, again, basic fundamental crucially critically important what comes out of our mouth actually is Um, and so with that said i'm going to i'm going to put that verse back up Uh, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth from the produce of his lips he shall be filled look at what verse 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit i'm going to leave the slide up for a minute on purpose okay so death and life are in the power of the tongue i've I've told you numerous times that these things can either be your best friend i just said it a few moments ago these characteristics can either work for you or against you they can be your best friend or your worst enemy they can produce life and freedom and and prosperity uh, but they could also produce uh, death and addiction and poverty in your life. Your words can, can produce blessing or your words can produce cursing. You, your words can cause you to experience and, en- and enjoy the life that God created you to live or the words that come out of your mouth can keep you separated from the life that He created you and enjoyed you, uh, created you to, to, to enjoy and, um, and to live. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to put it back up. Uh, I'm sorry, it was still up there, wasn't it? Death and life, coming, coming back to you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when it says the power of the tongue, um, think determining factor. Uh, the power of the tongue. What, I, there's some fable or, 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 or something, and, and I don't, I don't want to butcher it, but the, the gist of it is, there was a wise king who said he could answer any riddle, and so a man thought he would outsmart him, and he and he put a little uh, a little chick, uh, little baby you know chicken chickadee whatever in his hand, and he and he asked the king. He said, uh, "King, you know you're so wise, no no one can um, uh, you know ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. So you tell me, is is the chick in my hand dead or alive?" And the king said um, that he could not answer that question because if he said that the chick uh, was dead, then um, he could let it go alive. If he said the chick was alive, then the man could, could crush the chick in his hand and kill it because the reason the king couldn't answer that question is because the, the, the power of the answer uh, was in that man's hand. Um, it was whichever way it went, depended upon what that man did, not, not w- what the king s- said or, or decided. And so what Father God is saying here is that death and life are in the power of your tongue. Now, I know that some of you joined classes after they started, and, and perhaps some of you uh, have not yet uh, listened to or, or attended uh, the class where we talk about man being the legal authority on planet Earth. Uh, but, but in those, I think we did two classes at least maybe on, on that subject. But in those classes, what, what we were you know, establishing from the Word of God, not a, opinion, is that th- there are all kinds of things that happen on planet Earth that are not God's will. And there are all kinds of things that are God's will uh, that, that don't happen on, on planet Earth. And this idea that you know, everything that happens is somehow you know, God's will and He's behind the scenes you know, pulling the strings is is not only ridiculous, and I don't hurt anybody's feelings by using such a strong word, but it's not supported by Scripture, Uh, you know, none whatsoever. Um, And, uh, you know, God forbid that that someone would take their own life, um, but, you know, I, I have heard people say in suicidal situations, I'm just not sure why God took them. And I'm like, are you kidding me, you know? It's, it's back to they, the power of, of death and life uh, was, was in the hand of the person um, who, who took their life. Okay, But we talk about the, that type of an extreme, and I hope that's not making anyone uncomfortable. I, I, I want to go back, though, uh, because the reality is uh, death and life are in the power of what you say. Um, you can speak life and have life, or you can speak death and have death, uh, and, and it's your choice. Uh, death means separation you got to remember that we think in terms of physical death somebody you know no longer existing or what have you that's not that's not what it is at all um, death can include physical separation where the where the spirit and soul separate from the physical body um, and it could be spiritual death where uh, someone's spirit is separated from God's spirit but notice the, the key word you need to understand about death is that singular word separation so, death and life are in the power of the tongue, meaning the words that you speak can either connect you to the life that God created you to live or the words that you speak uh, can keep you separated from the life that God created you to live and ultimately lead to your death or even your uh, untimely death, uh, death before uh, it, is, it is or was your time to uh, go. Praise God. So, death and life are in the power of the tongue. He's saying... that that it turns upon it um it it, you know god's not steering which way it goes you're steering it by the things that you say and remember things that you say uh, can at times be influenced by emotions which again um, have to do with our thoughts and thinking and then notice this last one and those who love it will eat its fruit those who love it will eat its fruit now this again requires some explanation. Um, it's very easy for us to say that, you know, like I'll just use this as an example. It's very easy for us to say that we love God. Um, remember what Jesus asked, the question he asked, he said, he said, why do people call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Why do these people talk about how much they love me, but their hearts are far from me? So when he says love it, he's talking about what's, what's really in your heart um, and, and so, you know, we may not think of, uh, you know, speaking negative things, complaining all the time, uh, you know, shooting our own selves in the foot by the words that come out of our mouth. We may not think of that as loving death, but that's exactly whether you realize it or not. You, you, are, you are cozying up to death uh, when you allow death, to come out of your mouth. When you uh, allow darkness and separation and doubt and unbelief to come out of your mouth, um, you, you are cozying up with those things. You, you are, uh, uh, by default, uh, you know, declaring your allegiance uh, to these things. And then when it says, but the same is true, thank God, for, for, for life. Uh, those who love it will eat its fruit. Here is, um, here's, here's one um, way that I like to explain this, okay? Don't ever say anything today um, that you don't want to eat tomorrow. Um, we have, we have a, a, a colloquialism that comes from this, all right? We call it eating crow, eating crow. What does it mean to eat crow? Eat crow is when you say something's going to, happen that that doesn't happen or when you make some bold statement um and and then and then it turns out that um it it it, you know uh, different from the way that that you uh you were certain sure promised everybody your team was going to win the championship this or that or whatever and so then when it doesn't happen you know the words that you've spoken uh, are now on a plate for you to have to eat that's that's what we mean by by eating crow uh so don't let anything come out of your mouth that you do not want to eat the fruit that it produces. Because whatever you say today is going to be served up for you to have to deal with and eat tomorrow. Um, it's kind of like, if you ever gone to a restaurant and you, you, know, you order the same thing, same thing, same thing? I kind of do that. You know, the restaurants that I go to, um, you know, I pretty much get the same thing you know, every time. Uh, and, but then every now and then, you know, you say, I think I'm going to try something different and then you try something different and it's not good. You know, it's like, well, now I've got to eat this and I don't really like this. Well, it, it's that way. You know, when, when you speak death, there are going to be, uh, things that you're going to have to deal with in your life. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Let me give you another example of this. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. This is God speaking uh, to his uh, people Israel. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I set before you. So, So notice, God didn't say, I have only set before you life or I've only set before you death. Nor did he say, I've only set before you blessing, or I've only set before you cursing. He says, I have set before you both, but whose choice? Whose choice? So I'm I'm offering to you again this evening that the same is true for you and me as it was uh, for them so many generations ago. Um, Death and life are set before you. Blessing and cursing are set before you. And and, um, he gives us a hint here. Um, choose life, but you can't overlook uh, the idea, the, the, the reality that, that you have a choice. You choose what you believe. You choose what you think about. You choose what you agree with. You choose, um, because you choose what you think about, you choose what emotions those thoughts are going to generate and produce um, in your life. And so he's saying, I've set this before you, uh, choose life. And, and, and so the basic fundamental way we choose life, that we choose blessing, is, is by choosing to speak life, by choosing to speak blessing. Um, you can't say in your heart, I choose life, but then out of your mouth speak death. You can't say in your heart, I choose blessing, but then out of your mouth um, speak uh, you know, cursing. And when I say cursing, I don't just mean using four-letter words, okay, Um you know, cursing, speaking negativity, speaking negatively, speaking negativity over situations, over things. well, you know, I don't know this, I'm just not, I don't think that's going to work out, That's blah, blah. In other words, we don't realize, but, but all, of, all of that is, 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 is cursing it. We're, we're, you know, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, as I used to sing on Hee Haw, those of you who are old enough to remember that um, variety show. So it's, 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 it's this attitude, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, the way that we lean, um, you, know, you know, some would say, well, you know, being optimistic or pessimistic. Well, it's more than that, but you're never going to live by faith by being pessimistic. Um, if you're going to be, a, uh, you know, a faith man or faith woman, you're going to have to be optimistic. The, the, the glass needs to start being half full instead of, um, of half empty. Now, let's, um, there's a section of Scripture in Romans. Let's turn there. Romans chapter 10. There's a section of Scripture in Romans and we could really get bogged down here and the Holy Spirit's going to help us not do that. Um, and when I say get bogged down here is because there's so much um, about this subject um, in, in these verses um, that um, you know, we, we could spend the rest of our time more than likely here um, in, in Romans chapter 10. There's a few things that I want to point out to you here, and we're going to point those out. But one of the, one of the main things that I'm, I'm wanting you to see is you know, the different um, characteristics that we possess because we've been created in the image and likeness of God how those things are involved in and culminate with um, you know, confessing Jesus as our Savior and receiving the gift of salvation. So let's go to uh, Romans uh, chapter 10. We'll look at a, uh, several verses um, here. I'll probably just leave them on the screen and comment as we work our way through. So it says this, verse 5, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Now, this of course is part of um, a broader, greater theme that we see uh, masterfully spelled out for us in the book of Romans. And it's the righteousness that we receive that we become righteous by faith as born again men and women he's talking about and makes the case for uh, our righteousness uh, throughout the book of romans and we will uh, study that in the days ahead and i'm very excited about uh, breaking that bread uh, together uh, with you so obviously by chapter 10 in romans uh, a lot has already been covered that is assumed Um, when uh, we jump in at this place okay so the idea then is that under the uh, Old Testament the the way a man or a woman uh, you know aspired uh, to be right with God before God in the eyes of God was by obeying uh, the commandments by by obeying the laws of God but we of course know that in the in the New Testament um, we are not made righteous by our works, but by the works that Jesus has done for us. And that He uh, established um, uh, His righteousness um, on earth as a man, uh, and it's the only acceptable righteousness with God. No other righteousness, no other standing is accepted by God other than Jesus's right standing. And, praise God, uh, the good news is He's offered that right standing that, Righteousness to you and me as a gift. Okay. Now, uh, let's go to verse six now. He says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, I'm sorry, let's keep going here. Uh, I pushed the wrong button. Here we go. All right. Or, who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Now, I almost wish that I could sandwich all these verses on the screen at at one time. I'm going to go back here right quick, okay. Um, So one of the key things before we even start making sense of of this for you, one of the key things I want you to see is that the righteousness of faith speaks. Um, in other words, it, it has a vocabulary. It has a way of saying things um, in, in the same way that uh, someone who, uh, you know, believes that the, they're right because of their obedience. Well, they have a whole way of, of speaking and talking. So he's saying the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. But then he shifts gears, and so you have to follow carefully. He's he's going to ultimately tell us what the righteousness of faith says, but before he tells us what it says, he's saying what it doesn't say. What it doesn't say. Now, why is he telling us what it doesn't say? Because a lot of people in Paul's day were saying what it doesn't say. And a lot of people in our day are saying what it doesn't say. And so he says, it does not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Um, or descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. So he's talking about two different positions that a lot of people have. Um, Let's start with this last one first. Who will descend into the the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? These are people who think and speak in in a manner that reflects Jesus having never raised from the dead. Now, this isn't just those who would deny His resurrection. But in Romans 6, he explains that when Jesus was raised from the dead, you were raised up with Him to newness of life. You were raised up with Him and and have become a new creation. But there are many people, if you listen to them talk, they talk as if that's never happened. Not so much... And it could include Jesus not having been raised from the dead, but I'm talking about how things are with Him. The righteousness of faith doesn't say, um, you know, I'm, I'm an old sinner saved by grace. The old sinner you were was buried in an unmarked grave with Jesus. You were raised up to a newness of life with a new spirit and a new nature to go along with it. You've become a partaker of the divine nature of God is, is now is what, the, is what the Scripture says. But if we continue to speak as if none of that has happened in our lives, okay? that's not how the righteousness of faith speaks. Now, I said the last one first. So we looked at verse 7. Um, verse uh, 6, I'll go back to it, praise God. We got the, the wherewithal to do this. Verse 6 says, But the righteousness speaks, of faith speaks in this way, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. So the, the righteousness of faith, does not say, when are you going to come down here and fix this for me, Jesus? When are you going to come down here and heal me, Jesus? When are you going to come down from your throne in heaven and fix what's wrong in my life, fix what's broken in my family, fix what, you know, correct... In other words, fill in the blank. So the righteousness of faith doesn't speak like that because the righteousness of faith recognizes that Jesus is seated with His heavenly Father in the heavenly places, and that you and I as born-again believers, according to Ephesians 2 and many other places in the Scripture, are seated there together with Him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named both in this age and the age that is to come. So the righteousness of faith speaks in a way that recognizes that we have been given victory over everything that Jesus has won victory over and that we're not waiting on Him to come and do anything. But remember, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you allow, whatever you disallow, is is what He's saying, having already been uh, released in heaven. Having already been said yes and amen to in heaven will be experienced um, here upon planet earth. So he's, He's talking about how important it is, you know, the things that we say. Uh, but notice, you know, how we understand things also uh, has tremendous uh, effect and influence, impact on uh, the things that we say. So the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend in the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the, from the dead. But what does it say? Come on now, (laughs) what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. The Word of faith which we preach, the living and powerful Word of God that's been given to you and me. Remember the verse we looked at, Isaiah 51 and 16. Um, He said what? That... um, He's covered you and me with the shadow of His hand. He's put His words in our mouths so that He may plant the heavens, plural, lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, You are my people. Okay? So notice, what does it say? The Word is near you. King James Version says, nigh unto you. The Word is right there. It should be in your heart. It should be so close that it's in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. When we did the classes on the word of His power, we made a statement then that we will repeat now. The word of God spoken out of your mouth is just as powerful as the word of God spoken out of God's mouth. As a matter of fact, he says that as ambassadors, when we minister as ministers of reconciliation using His word of reconciliation, that it's as if God Himself is speaking through through us to other people, saying to them, be made right, be reconciled, come into alignment with, come into harmony with, come into agreement with God. So what does it say? What is the, what is, how does the righteousness of faith speak? It speaks the Word of God. It speaks the Word of God. I know I keep going back to classes that maybe some of you haven't had yet. They're all there and available online on the Internet, on the church website, my Facebook page. You can go back and access those. I know it's a lot of teaching, but I, I, you know, I, I would... Amen. Uh, you know, recommend, uh, powerfully recommend. Um, you know that you do that. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the um, word of faith that we preach. I was going to say something there, really important. It'll come to me here in uh, in just a minute. Praise God. Let me get a sip of water. The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He's talking about the things that you say, the word of God in your heart coming out of your mouth, producing the results. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Isaiah 55, he, he, he says there that, um, that the word of God has power within it uh, to produce the results accomplished in the thing that God sent it to accomplish, prosper in the thing that Father God sent it forth to prosper in. So when, you know, we say what God says, um, in some of those earlier classes, thank you, Holy Spirit, we also said, um, amen, praise God, how do, I, how, do I, how do I say this? That, you know, the, the, the words that, that, that we speak and um, the... Uh, the the power that that is uh, released uh, from His Word is is so important that you know we can't allow um, you know other thoughts and and other things in in our minds contaminating you know our thoughts and the things that we say and um, and, and and the and the way that we would you know uh, go about this so the question thank you Holy Spirit this is <laughs> I can keep on talking but I'm you know, uh, what does the word say? That was, that was the part I was trying to recall. That's the question we need to ask ourselves about the situations that we face in life. You know, what does the word say? We'll do Google searches. We'll, um, you know, ask our neighbors. We'll, we'll find out what anybody and everybody has to say about something in, in, instead of finding out what does the word of God say about your family? What does the word of God say about your children? What is the word of God? The word of God says all your children are taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. What does the word of God say? And was, we just go on and on and on with this, okay? So what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Let's keep going. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what does it say? you will be saved and then he just kind of recaps for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so, now, are you, are you seeing, because we, you know, we kind of came out of the gates. There's different ways we could have we structured this class, I and mean, we could have started here, we could have started with other things. I'm, I, I'm throwing a bunch of things out on the table, and now we're kind of assembling them and putting them together and see how they're related and connected. We've looked at some stuff from the Old Testament, now we're looking at stuff from the New Testament. Um, so, when we talk about death and life and the power of the tongue, eternal life uh, literally uh, hinges upon, um, you know, you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth um, the Lord Jesus. This is the, um, the uh, I guess, expanded version. The Bible also gives us a, a simple version of this because Jesus has made complicated and complex things simple. That He says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But even then, calling on the name of the Lord requires um, uh, you saying something um, uh, out of, Uh, your mouth you know from your heart now this is how and I'm, I'm, I'm I should have maybe even made a slide but I want to emphasize before I show you the next set of verses I want you to understand come to terms with as a matter of fact if you're taking notes write this down underneath these verses this is how I received the Lord Jesus Christ this is how I received him how did you receive him you received him by Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he's the son of God that you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead uh, and, and that's how you became a saved man or woman. That's how you became a born again man or woman Right now what is implied here and obviously uh, Talked about in in other places even in this chapter and earlier in the book of Romans and in other places throughout the word of God is that someone, of course, has heard um, and and hearing about Jesus, has has then uh, uh, gone to the the thinking. Then comes um, agreement. Then comes believing. Um, you know, when we talk about emotion here, you say, where is emotion in all of this? Desire and motivation. You know, inspiration for you to take that next step and call upon the name of the Lord. And this is how we receive salvation. So the same way that you receive salvation, this is how you received Him. Why is that so important? Well, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6. Let's turn there. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6. I'll give you a minute to turn. I'd like you to see this verse, maybe even mark it in your Bibles. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6. Man, what a connection here that we need to make. Praise God. Colossians 2 and verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Let's look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving rooted and built up in him established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving so once again i'm going to intentionally leave that verse on the on the screen for a moment those of you taking notes give you a moment to to take some notes but here is the connection that i want you to see colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 says as you receive christ jesus the lord so walk in him walking in him means living in him it's talking about um, your walk is your daily life. So he's talking about how to take what you received when you received uh, salvation and walk it out, live it out, walk the walk. And, you know, but notice walking the walk and also includes talking the talk. You know, we, we've often talked about people who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. But, but you know, these two are not separate from one another, but again, they, they work uh, powerfully and importantly together. So how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? You received Christ Jesus the Lord by hearing the word, believing in your heart, and confessing with your mouth. So I'm, I'm offering to you tonight that, um, that you receive everything else that He has for you, that He's done for you, that He's given to you, that He said is yours, that He's promised to you. You receive, you walk in um, all of those other things the same way that you receive salvation. So let me give you an example. Healing is part of um, the covenant. Uh, Pastor Bill Winston, one of my favorite uh, pastors and preachers, um, he preaches a sermon, uh, Do Bread Come With That? Do Bread Come With That? Okay, okay. And, and what he means by that is he was in line at a, um, at, a, at a cafeteria, and the lady in front of him was getting her meat and three, and so after she had put her plate on her tray in the cafeteria line, um, she looked at the server and she said, do bread come with that? And of course, she was wanting to know if bread came with it or if it was an extra expense. And so, you know, the gentleman took his tongue, said, you know, no, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Brother bread comes with it and and put it on her tray. Well, he's watching this um, and thought it kind of humorous the way she said it. But it also um, triggered something very simple, but very deep inside of him. And that is all the things that come with our salvation. Do bread come with that? Yes. Do healing come with that? Yes. Do uh, strength come with that? Yes. Do freedom come with that? Yes. Do righteousness come with that? In other words, all of these things that come, uh, you know, with our salvation. Salvation is a a package deal. Um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, right? What does He do? He forgives all my iniquities and He heals all my diseases. So maybe you're listening to me tonight and you've received salvation, Um, but you need to receive healing. You receive healing the same way you receive salvation, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, believing that you've already received even when it doesn't feel like, look like, seem like, anything in your physical reality has changed. It's something that begins inwardly that manifests and works itself out outwardly, uh, praise God, um, in your life. So, All of this part, then, of of the more narrow focus that we're taking tonight, talking about the power of our words. So if we received Jesus by using words, if we're going to walk in all that He has done for us and given to us, our righteousness, our freedom, our prosperity, um, our wholeness, our soundness of mind, our self-control, our strength, all of this, if we're going to walk in that, we're going to walk in it the same way we received Him initially. Uh, by the things that we believe in our hearts, and by the things that we confess out of our mouths. So believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. This is a powerful, and I hate to trivialize it by using the word formula, but this is a, a powerful, um, Siri thought I was talking to her. If Siri could learn this, it'd be beautiful, right? Um, It is a powerful, powerful formula of the highest form, amen, of the highest regard. Uh, Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Now, I want to build on this some more. Go with me now to Mark chapter 11 and verse number 20. Mark chapter 11 and verse number 20. Um, Let me set this up for you. Jesus and his disciples are on the way into uh, Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Jesus was hungry. And he, uh, I'll come back over while I'm setting it up. Um, He he saw a fig tree and the Bible says he was hungry. And although it wasn't yet the season for figs, uh, the tree looked promising that it would have figs on it. And so Jesus went to get some figs and there were no figs. And so the Bible says that he cursed the fig tree. He cursed the fig tree. Now that doesn't mean Jesus used four letter words. He cursed the fig tree by saying these words to the fig tree, let no man eat fruit from you ever again. Let no man eat fruit from you ever again. Now his disciples witnessed this and there are all kinds of, and I think they're wonderful. a lot of times when I make the statement that I'm about to make, people will shoot me an email, hand me a note, even call me and, and talk about some of their ideas as to what all of this may symbolize. And I am by no means saying that it is not symbolic. As a matter of fact, I do believe that it is symbolic. I do believe that there's different theories. Jesus obviously was not ignorant. Um, you know how, you know, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't like, fooled by the tree and angry at the tree. Um, there's all kinds of things that we could spend the rest of our time on tonight talking about the tree that looked like it had fruit and didn't, okay? That's not what we're here to do. But the key thing that I do want you to, to recognize, and this may be the simplest explanation, not saying the only, but the simplest explanation is that Jesus drew attention to that specific tree so much so that his disciples watched all of this unfold heard what he said i can only imagine i just picture this in my mind as this entourage you know going into jerusalem and um and jesus leading the way and the 12 disciples uh, tagging along following along behind him and then jesus stopping they're all stopping he looks into the leaves of the of the fig tree he, he says, let no man eat fruit from you ever again, and walks on, um, and, and the disciples looking at one another like, you know, what was that? What is, you know, um, you know what in the world? But again, he got their attention, it brought their attention uh, to that particular tree. Now, why is that significant? Well, let's go back uh, over now, praise God to uh, Mark chapter 11 and verse 20. So this is the next uh, morning. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, I believe Peter was surprised I believe the other disciples were surprised, but I can guarantee you Jesus was not surprised that the fig tree had withered away. Now, I want to, I'm going to come back over here for a moment. I want to key tie-in here, tie-in, okay? Blessing and cursing in the power of your tongue. So obviously, you know, it's very easy for us to look at all the things that Jesus blessed, all the people that Jesus blessed. But here is an example him demonstrating for us the what it means for death and life to be in the power of what you say and so he spoke these words he cursed this tree and he cursed it by saying no man would eat." notice he cursed it by taking away its purpose the purpose of the fig tree is to produce figs so that people can eat and enjoy them when jesus took away its reason for existing no reason to exist caused it to wither up and 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 die and man you you that sermon yourself if you want to because clearly uh, there's a powerful one uh, in in that uh, point um, as well right? so peter surprised he remembered what jesus said and and so this is why i say the simplest thing here may not be the only thing is that he drew attention to the tree because jesus all along was setting them up jesus uh the world was his laboratory Je- jesus the world was his classroom Jesus is teaching those men something here. He's teaching you and me something here. So for all the, the, the symbolic, uh, um, you, know, uh, you know, symbolism, symbolic nature of, of that tree with no fruit and so forth and so on, uh, there may be worlds of that. Uh, but don't miss this simple reality is that Jesus was teaching his disciples and you and me because we're his disciples um, a lesson on the subject of faith. As a matter of fact, I preached a, a sermon of series on, from this passage not long ago and I called it the greatest faith lesson ever taught um, because again, this is Jesus teaching and, um, and He's demonstrating faith but He's also connecting um, you and me, our faith uh, with this. Um, and so we'll see that as these verses unfold. So let's, um, let's go back now Uh, to the passage so again in the morning they passed by they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots Peter remembered what happened the day before when Jesus cursed the tree he says rabbi look the tree which you cursed was withered away so Jesus answered and said to them have faith in God Wow. have faith in God now, why would Jesus say have faith in God? Because this was a demonstration of faith in God. This was a demonstration of what faith in God can accomplish. This was also, I think, Jesus told them to have faith in God because they were looking at this incredulously. They, incredulously, that's easy for me to say, right? They were, they were looking at it um, bum-fuzzled. There you go, let me get a, uh, <laughs> another word. Jesus, bump falls a word for you, Amen. Uh, they were looking at it, questioning it. They were looking at it, amazed by it. They were looking at it, trying to understand what it was they were looking at. And Jesus says to them, "Have faith in God." Now, this this is an interesting statement here, because Jesus is is coming right back at them, um, making the point clear that this is not just something that his faith could accomplish, but it's something that their faith can accomplish as well. Again, believe in your heart, speak out of your mouth. Now, let's keep going here. So he says, have faith in God. Verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, He will have whatever He says. Now, let's take the first phrase first. We're going to spend a minute here with this this passage. Let's take the first two words that we find in verse number 23. For assuredly. For assuredly. I think in some translations it may say, Verily, verily. Um, When Jesus says and and he said this a lot when he says assuredly or, or for assuredly when he puts that word in there you can just about guarantee that what he says next is going to seem to be so far over the top that there's no way it can be true that there's no way it can be right that there's no way that this could apply to his followers. Maybe apply to him, but not to a disciple of his. So when Jesus says, for assuredly, it's almost like he's saying to you and me and to to those disciples, it's almost like he's saying, brace yourself because what you're about to hear is going to be so extreme to you that you're going to find it hard to understand or believe. But it's 100% true. So what did he say after he said, for assuredly? For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now the context here is that Jesus has spoken to a tree and the tree has responded to what He has said. Now Jesus is saying that it doesn't just apply to a fig tree, but it applies to a mountain. He's saying that not only will the fig tree obey you and do what you say to it, but that mountains will obey to you and do what you say to them. Now, I know that we could perhaps make the case that Jesus is just using something extreme here to make a point. And certainly, praise God, uh, think of mountains in your own, pathway, mountains in your life, as being obstacles that seem impossible to move. I'm not saying that we should not make that tie-in. But Jesus was not talking about a figurative fig tree. He was not talking about an imaginary fig tree. He was talking about a real fig tree that responded to His voice. So if a real fig tree did what He told it to do, then a real mountain will do what not only Jesus told it to do, but what you tell it to do. See, we always try to take this less than approach to things. Well, if Jesus did this, then we may could know, get a mean dog to stop barking or something like that. You know No no, no, it, Jesus didn't back down. He escalated. He, he took it another step. For assuredly I say to you, whoever, now whoever, that right there,. He didn't say if the pastor speaks to. He didn't say if, if, if someone super spiritual speaks to. He says that this this, operation, speaking to something and then obeying you, uh, removing something out of your way using the power of words, okay, Um, he's saying that this uh, mechanism, this uh, process, this, um, uh, what's the other word that I'm looking for here, Uh, function. Created in God's image and likeness means what? Look like He looks, function the way He functions. This is the way God functions. You were created to function the way He functions. Most assuredly, again, you say, Pastor Mark, come on now. You've done went too far. Don't tell me I've gone too far. If you have a problem with this, you have a problem with Jesus. I didn't write this. I didn't say this uh, uh, initially. Jesus is the one who went on record and said this. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not there yet. Well, let's get there. It it begins with at least developing an understanding of how God created you, uh, an understanding of what you are. You're a speaking spirit. Think of all the things Jesus spoke to. Jesus spoke to fever, (laughs) and fever obeyed Him. Jesus spoke to storms. Storms obeyed him. Jesus spoke to food and told it to increase, and it increased. Now, I know that there are those who would say, yeah, but Pastor Mark, he's Jesus. But in every one of those situations, go back and read it for yourself. Jesus, there's two different times Jesus fed a lot of people with a little bit of food. And the idea is, we're going to be preaching on that tonight in the, in, the, in the service at 7, is that Jesus fully intended for the first miracle that the disciples participated in feeding a large crowd of people to become a template for the next time they had a large crowd of people that was hungry, to use what they learned the first time, put it into practice the second time. When Jesus, There's two storms recorded in the Scripture where Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. Not just one. First time Jesus did it. Second time Jesus is asleep. And he's fully intending for the disciples to do it. And after he did it, he's looking at them like, when are you going to learn? How long am I going to be with you to take care of these things? You, know, you, you need to learn how to, to handle these things and take care of these things for yourself. So I'm coming, I'm coming back to the verse. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done He will have whatever he says. Now, I'm going to leave this on the screen for a moment. And I want to point out to you um, the word uh, say or says. Now, the first one, obviously, we could count, but this is simply Jesus saying it to us. But what follows is what Jesus said about what you and I say. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, again, notice the emphasis here, what those, believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So, clearly, Jesus is, is, is emphasizing uh, what we speak, what we say. And it's one thing to have faith in the heart, but, but remember, faith without any action is dormant. It's dead. In order for faith to produce results in your life, it has to be released from your heart. And, and, and one of the first and foremost ways, and even most important ways, that faith goes from something in your heart released out of you to produce a result in your life is by speaking or confessing the word of God. Confess means to say the same as speaking or confessing the word of God. Okay. For assuredly I say to you, I'm going to read it one more time. They're going to look at the next verse. For assuredly I say to you, what uh, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed, be cast into the sea," does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm going to leave verse 24 up for a moment. Because verse 24 is, this may not be an exact way to describe it, but verse 24 is like a recap. Um, it's, It's not different from or in addition to but it's basically capturing in one verse form the principle or the concept that Jesus has demonstrated for them. So remember, assuredly means Jesus is about to say something that could be so far beyond what you understand or you know at a point of faith to believe that it seems impossible or doesn't apply to you. But when you see therefore, therefore means in light of what I've just said to you. So therefore is, anytime you find therefore in in a Bible verse, you want to see what has come before it because it's taking what's come before it and either summarizing or, or capturing or building upon it in some way. And so verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, the grammar here in the Greek, the sentence structure in the Greek is, um, is very important to understand. And a lot of the more uh, modern or amplified translations uh, help us understand that by inserting a word like already uh, into um, verse 24. So what he's saying, believe that you receive them and you will have them. He's saying when you pray, believe that you've already received and you will have in your possession at some point, maybe immediately or maybe in the future, you will have what you've already believed that you've received. Now, I have, I have preached sermon series on this, and I'm not going to try to you know, take 20, 30 minutes. We don't have it. We're, we're down to about our last you know, 15 minutes here. Um, but the, the key thing that I'm, I'm wanting you to connect with tonight is there comes a point in time that, um, huh, somebody just sent me a text and said when I post scriptures there's no sound. I have no idea why that is, but amen. Yowza, okay. Okay. Wow. All right, so if that's the case, um, I'll have to overlay the um, audio. Jeff Thomas just buzzed in, so Jeff, I love you, buddy. (laughs) Um, I didn't know that was the case, Uh, so wow. Praise God. Yeah, testing one, two, so I'm going to go back to a scripture. Testing one, two testing one two testing one two amen do it now so you can hear it not at all okay all right it's a delay amen all right well to my knowledge that has never happened before thank you Jeff for making me aware of it I um, in the few minutes that we've got left I, I won't put any more of the of the scriptures on uh, on the screen so Thank you, Jesus. Okay. The key thing that I'm wanting you to connect with is that whatever things you ask when you pray, you believe at that moment that you've received them. Um, that's, that's how faith works. Faith doesn't say, I believe it when I see it, or I believe it when I possess it, or I believe it when I receive it. Faith believes that it's already yours, even if it's not yet in your hand. So you, you have, and, and here's a classic example, uh, you know, someone may say, believe with me for a good report from the doctor. Understand what they mean, but faith believes we're healed before we go see the doctor or before we hear what the doctor says. In other words, does this mean we're going to wait to believe what God said about our situation until we hear what the doctor says, or are we going to believe what God says uh, no matter what the doctor says? Um, I'll go back to another example, and this is a way the Lord showed me. He, he asked me, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, um, how much money does do, do I have to have, how much money would I have to have uh, before I believed I was rich? And um, you know, I started thinking about that, and I thought I came up with it, you know, with, with the right answer that you know uh, it depends because for some people you know it it could be a million dollars for other people it it could be depending on where you are in the world it could be a hundred dollars but I was wrong all the way around Um, believing you're rich has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have in the same way believing you're healed has nothing to do with how your body may feel or not feel Um, believing you're healed has nothing to do not that we're against doctors or believe they're wrong, but believing you're healed has nothing to do with whether the doctor um, you know, says you passed the test or, or you failed it. Um, believing is, and this is where a lot of people, their faith never gains traction in their lives because they don't understand this greatest lesson on faith that Jesus ever taught us, which involves our ability to uh, believe that we've received something even though our eyes haven't seen it yet. Our, our, our faith hasn't, I mean, our hands haven't um, touched it yet. So um, from uh, this particular passage, and, and we're going to um, wrap it up here, um, I want you to begin to think of, of growth in your life as being, as being when you stop telling God what your problem said and you start telling your problem what God said So go back to Romans 10 how does the righteousness of faith speak um, it it doesn't say Jesus come fix this for me and it doesn't talk as if we haven't been raised up from the dead with Jesus but the righteousness of faith is what the Word of God is not unto you it's in your mouth so a lot of people take their problems and they, they call prayer simply asking God the same questions their problems ask them. Um, you know, what are you going to do about this? You know, if you ever had a bill ask you how you're going to pay it, right? I'm talking about in your mind. And so you've got a bill on the table and the bill says, how are you going to pay me? And so we go to God in prayer and we say, God, you know, how, how are you going to pay this bill? How am I, and so we'll keep waiting for God to pay the bill. Okay? And that's not how the righteousness of faith speaks. The word of faith which we preach, what, what the word of God teaches us now, is that we speak and do what God tells us to speak and do concerning the obstacle, concerning the mountain, concerning the fig tree, concerning the bill, concerning the fever, concerning the situation that we may be experiencing in our lives. Okay. One last um, verse, Romans 8 and 31. It begins, and it's a beautiful, powerful, glorious section of Scripture that begins with this, What then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? What, what, what is he talking about there? He, he's saying that when, when we... Um, you know, facing some challenge, some situation, some issue, some problem in our lives, that we need to say something um, to it. And unfortunately, what a lot of people say um, are negative things, complaining, um, uh, you know, speaking doubt and unbelief, um, instead of what the Word of God has to say about their situation, what Jesus has done about their situation, um, the answers that have already been provided for us because of what Jesus has done for us, amen, in His Word. So, praise God. Thank you for being with us tonight. Um, If you've made it this far for me to apologize, um, (laughs) I did not know we had a technical error where we were losing volume when I would put a verse on the screen. So um, I'm gonna shut it down just a couple of minutes early and see if I can't figure out a way uh, to uh, correct that. Probably not, since I have a service starting here at Heritage in uh, top of the hour. But amen, um, thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for letting us know. Anybody else is ever watching this, there's a problem or issue, um, shoot us a text, uh, re- reply in the Facebook feeds. Uh, John Mark's in the room monitoring those. But he has the volume turned down or else there will be a feedback because there's a delay um, in the broadcast so that's how we got almost to the end of the class tonight and missed that important um, uh, issue so anyway father you're good to us we love you thank you for your grace your mercy your kindness your love to us thank you father for uh, thank you in advance father for helping me uh, fix this issue because i know a lot of people will be tuning into this class uh, you know, later in the week, and so um, we want to make sure we get a complete class for them to be able to uh, to watch and enjoy. And others that were trying to watch it live tonight can go back and uh, and watch and enjoy. And so we thank you for it. Good things coming in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you for watching the class. Um, You'll be blessed and uh, and good things coming. Praise God.